0: Built my legs out of logs, my chest is sticks and twine and I'm twenty feet high and looking fine. with animals There's a goat A couple chickens too But there's a man-sized cage That needs filling too Gonna grow the crops just fine. The elder gods will be back on our side. I've got the man they want to kill inside. He screams, Oh no, but I'm the wicker man. Wicker man, burning with a Christian cop inside. Wicker man. Wicker man And I think he's gonna burn a long, long time Wicker man And I think he's gonna burn a long, long time Wicker man
1: Well, hello, and welcome again to another episode of We Have Such Films to Show You. Uh, this is episode forty-two, in which we're talking about the classic nineteen seventy-three horror movie, if you want to call it that. And I think we'll talk about yeah. that, uh, The yeah, Wicker yeah. Man, uh, cult cult classic. I am I am Josh Millard, the host who started talking first,
2: and I'm Yaakov, the host currently talking now.
1: And I was hoping you'd say like who started talking last, and then and then there'd be a murder and it'd be the shortest episode ever. <laughs> um, but <laughs> how you doing? How would
2: you, I know. And now I want to know how you would do that or I would do
1: that. Wait, yeah, you, you, would have, you. you would have arranged the whole thing from the start, I think. And and I'd turn that's, around and there's Britt Eklund and she stabs me <laughs> to death. Um, I'm well, good,
2: good. Definitely not stabbed to death.
1: Well, that's, that's good.
2: Um, yeah, uh, this was, the, the I mean I've heard this claim was a horror movie. It, it it shows up on like horror movie lists, but this I mean the, the, this was more of like a droll comedy slash musical than it was a horror movie.
1: Yeah, it was sort of like a sudden thriller twist. It's it's interesting because yeah, I think it gets thrown in horror just because uh, there's it, it's hard to classify in general i mean it's an odd film and so like calling it sort of a cult horror film is is a little bit of an easy out classification wise cuz you say oh well i mean honestly the idea that people have uh, lured someone to their uh, island with the sole intent of killing them ritually in a giant bonfire that's uh, that is horror-y. and christopher lee's in it and he's yeah, been yeah and he's yeah he was he was just coming off all the the hammer dracula stuff Um, so he was like a horror guy through and through when it was made. So yeah, I kind of wonder if it's just like for lack of a better way to, uh, characterize it is how it ended up just being called horror. Like, I'm not sure if the filmmakers particularly call it.
0: Yeah. Anybody
1: involved particularly called it horror. I saw Christopher Lee in an interview like, uh, I don't know, 12 years ago or something where it had come up and he sort of specifically sort of argued with the idea of calling it horror. um, and also, he's at like he's like he's at a panel at like a con or something, and someone asks about Wicker Man, and it's like a three and a half minute clip, and like a good solid minute of that is him asking the person, uh, not really audible off mic and off camera, if they know about the movie, if they know the history of the movie, have they read the French article. The, the French magazine that devoted an entire issue to it because that's got the story of it. Oh, you don't? You haven't? Oh, so you don't know the story of it? Oh, okay. Uh, before proceeding to give anything resembling an answer, uh, so,
2: which was kind Have of, you read this French magazine about yeah. it. Oh,
1: you haven't? I didn't think so. Basically, it was, <laughs> it was uh, don't fuck with Christopher Lee at a convention. Apparently, um, and by fuck with, I mean ask a question. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, so. So was this the first time you had seen it?
2: Yeah, it's the first time I'd seen it, and I really didn't know much about it outside of the fact that, like, a guy is burned to death in a pagan ritual inside of a giant wicker man. And also, yeah. um, do you know The the Invisibles, the the comic I uh, by read, Grant Morrison? Yeah,
1: I've, I've, read, Vertigo? I've read a few issues. I think I read, yeah. like, the first ten issues or so.
2: So it's a lot of, like, the imagery and stuff from this occurs in there. Uh, And now, like, I I have, like, a point of reference for a number of things I read in that book and being like, well, at least this is possibly how maybe even Grant Morrison had heard about it because this movie came out when he was what? Grant
1: Morrison. Yeah, how old is Grant Morrison?
2: Grant Morrison is, he was born in 1960, so he was 13 years old when this came out. Yeah, Yeah, that would have been perfect.
1: That's some primo uh, timing. Um, yeah, no, I, I I'll, I'll have to go back and look at those again because uh, I didn't think of. I I had seen this originally. I mean, I read those a couple of years ago. I had seen this probably good like twelve years ago. I think uh, when I first watched it, me and me and Angela watched it, and because because the new one was not a thing. Like it had not happened yet. And that was two thousand six, the Nicolas yes. Cage one. Um, which uh, also, I feel like we probably made the right decision going with this one instead of that one. Um, although if you really want to, we could do that one for the next episode and just uh, make it
0: a let's
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll see what the response uh, <laughs> to this episode is. But yeah, no, I, I'd seen it I'd seen it years ago and I, I, I remembered a lot of the broad strokes of it. I remembered the, the, the plot well enough. I remember uh, the main character and uh, and and also Christopher Lee is Lord Summer Summerisle. Um, I had actually forgotten the degree to which music was a part of the film throughout. Um, yeah. Like I, I remembered there was music and I was, I, I remembered like that there, there were a couple of songs and that there was plenty of folk music, but I had, I, I had totally blanked that the thing was like as much sung as it was spoken when you you know sit down and look at it. Yeah. Um, I mean, did you, did you, when the
2: entire bar breaks out into like a coordinated folk song? Yeah. I mean, to, to be fair, they've had a lot of time to practice that. Yep. Um, well,
1: and yeah, it's like,
2: yeah. Everyone has their own, uh, has their own like uh, lines that they sing and they had decided that somehow.
1: Yeah, and there, there's some stuff that is at best borderline non-fantastical. Like like the musical number with uh, Britt Eklund's knocking on the door or, or knocking on the wall while singing, you know, things like that was like, this is, this is obviously we're not going for like a strictly realistic take on this whole thing. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, necessarily
2: firmly in musical territory, yeah.
1: which is funny. Cause it, like, like, it doesn't quite cross over to being the point of being, well, this is clearly uh, abstract fantasy. You would almost yeah. imagine that these people are just this musical about how they're <laughs> weird, but still the staging of it, like the, the, the way it's shot, the way there's singing into the camera, uh, you yeah, know, well, it's all very performative. Make
2: direct. This is like, and this happens just during this song. It happens once, and this is, I mean, this is like three quarters of the way into the movie, and she like locks eyes with the camera and sings to the audience, yeah. um, which was just weird.
1: Yeah, and there's a very, there's a very choreographed feel to a couple of the sequences, like in a way that even uh, Sergeant Howie feels choreographed oh, and obviously he literally was choreographed in the shooting right. of the film but but like you know on the screen he does you know some very sort of like emotive like beginner modern dance stuff like up against the wall and then pushing away and you know it's all it's all just enough that you could sort of be like maybe this is just like the dancer he always wanted to be sneaking out a little bit rather than this is literally a musical number but uh but it really at, at best rides that line you know it, it, right. it, it it's it's very a lot of sort of this is a musical feeling that comes up uh, throughout the film.
2: I mean, th- I mean th- that could have basically just been a dream sequence. Um, this movie would have made more sense if that was a dream sequence. Or at least the, just the, the presence of like the sort of dance number would have made sense if it was a dream sequence. See,
1: I, th- okay, so this is interesting. I'm kind of curious what your general takeaway was from this. Because I totally hear what you're saying with it seeming like... It is abjectly unrealistic in a number of ways. Yeah. Uh, the musical number thing being like you know the the highlight of that because obviously people don't really burst into song you know and yeah. it's like uh, nobody watches the musical thinks oh yeah yeah but this could happen you know it's 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 a, it's <laughs> part of the format and yet I did not come away from this movie uh, on a second viewing uh, thinking primarily wow this movie is unrealistic like I and I think part of it is I've just. I'm on board with this, <laughs> with the, with this uh, this island for the most part. Yeah. Um, um
2: I, the 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 thing is, just for me personally, the the location of it, which is like this quaint old village. I mean, just from my own personal experience, it might as well be like Bag End. Yeah. And they might as well be hobbits, just because, I mean, they they are already in a location that just, like, I personally find completely strange and bewildering, which is the, like, rural British countryside, yeah. just because it's very much out of my element. So it, and- it
1: feels sort of fantastical to you, even, you know, the non-fantastical aspects of it, that just, like, the yeah, like, exactly. pastoral, uh tableau puts you sort of... Off kilter to begin with.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, like the more weird stuff and just be like, I don't know, maybe that's what British people do in the countryside or Scottish people rather. It's like the, the you know, the whole thing just the the scene where he he comes to the uh he goes he leaves the uh the Green Man pub or inn or whatever, which is just the most obviously named thing. I hope that I wonder if that was like the real um the real inn or pub on the island just because yeah having named it the green man pub is just I mean that was I don't know I guess it, it, I guess it makes sense but yeah he leaves it and it's the middle of the night and he just stumbles across just a bunch of couples fucking in the um, what do you call it the the heath or the dude the, just the plains the the, yes. the the outside grass area the lawn
0: <laughs> yes
1: yes the, the the lawn. Let's go with that. I don't know that yeah. I know enough about uh, British landscaping terms to <laughs> help you out for whatever you're looking for here.
2: And then he just sort of keeps walking, and then he sees like all of that weird shit going on in the um, in the uh, the cemetery where they're they're, uh, they're they're watering the graves or the the trees that grow on the graves. And um, at least there's one naked woman just weeping over a grave. Yep. Um, and then he just keeps going, and I'm just like, it's. I, how, how weird was that to him? I could not figure it out. Because um, he just he, he doesn't his reactions to things confuse the hell out of me throughout this entire movie, and <laughs> just like that's why I'm having trouble putting a finger on the motivation of, of anybody in See, it. That's it, that's I,
1: I I feel like Angela sort of said the same thing that like to some extent like you know he's uh you know he, he's not reacting until he's like reacting. Yeah. Um whereas whereas I read the whole thing and, and maybe just because I went in with my preconceived notion of uh the character and that at least I carried pretty strongly from the last watching. So I was reading the whole thing as like this slow, smoldering, uh priggishness, you know, offended uh and, and sort of just reading that whole stiff upper lip as being, okay, this guy is like immediately struggling with this situation. Um but yeah i don't know i mean it's the, the the guy did a great job of playing that sort of like super super tight wad uh stranger in a strange land thing uh I, re- I really like how his like fed upness blossomed and sort yeah. of evolved over the the film Yeah,
2: the, uh, the uh, i think the 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 toward the end of the movie when he um, when he's just like had enough and he shows up at the inn and like grabs the key off the thing instead of waiting for the landlord to give it to him and then he goes to take an angry
1: nap. <laughs> yeah, like, that'll show him. <laughs> he's uh-huh. just run
2: out of ideas of what to do or what he's doing and... And I I, I love just, like, the aspect of this movie that everybody in this town, just in just a very coordinated thing, everybody in this town is fucking with him. Yeah. Which is just uh, that that I really enjoyed that about the movie. Just it's like, who's this girl? I don't know. Then, like, five minutes later, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we totally killed her. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well yeah. I don't I don't think anybody ever intimates that they killed. Oh her. They yeah, that's, they are they're that's pointedly right. coy about how she died, which is like you right. know to the cop asking pointed questions is is awful sketchy, but also seems like a very coordinated uh play on their part yeah. too. Yeah, okay. So uh, there's,
2: uh, I just want to mention, there's, there's an episode of Rocco's Modern Life, the uh, the Nickelodeon cartoon, where um, throughout the episode, like people keep spontaneously breaking into song, everybody except him. And at one point, it's just like, how is everybody doing this? And then uh, I think one of the characters is just like, wait there's been rehearsals like every Tuesday for a month and I would not be surprised if that happened in this town if they had like fuck with the cop rehearsal. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I think so. Okay, so oh, there's, there's a bunch of interesting like stuff left on the side in this film uh, that I kind of want to talk about. Um, I... Okay, brief recap. This is one of those movies that, if you're listening and you haven't seen it, you should totally see this movie. Yeah, Um, absolutely. There's there's not really anything to spoil here, because if you know of this movie, you probably know a guy burns to death in a wicker man at the end. So that's really the only thing you can spoil in this film. Almost, It's an interesting film, because almost nothing of like plot consequence happens until like the last 15 minutes and then right. murder a dude. Um, but, but, but for the people who have not basically speaking, we've got a, we've got a, uh, cop from the, from mainland Scotland, uh, a guy named Sergeant Howie. He comes to investigate a report of a missing girl. Someone had written a letter saying, Hey, this girl Rowan, uh, she is missing. <laughs> if you've seen, um, hot fuzz, the 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 cop uh
2: Howie, um he is basically simon Pegg Simon Pegg is just like a very just you know comedically uh over the top version of the kind of character he is but he's just like a very straight laced by the book cop yeah uh, who um yes yeah, so that's i i i, I I feel like I understood Hot Fuzz a little better after seeing this. Actually. Yeah, no,
1: that it's, it's actually an interesting point that the two pair very well in that sense um, because Simon Pegg is skeptical to the extreme in a way that ends up being justified in the same sort of way, but in a very different you know arc than uh, Sergeant Howie being sort of pissy and skeptical at this small town he's investigating. <laughs> So so Sergeant Howie comes to investigate this missing girl, this missing uh, like you know, 13-year-old girl named Rowan. Rowan Morrison. Rowan Morrison. And he gets to town, and people are being evasive about this Rowan girl existing until he establishes that she does exist. And then he keeps investigating, and he digs up her grave and finds out that it's actually uh, – there's a hair in her grave, and people are sort of vague about – whether this is because someone buried a hare in her grave instead of her or because she literally turned into a, a hair, because, hey, our pagan rituals and whatnot – and uh, then finally, he, in, he infiltrates their May Day celebration by dressing up as Punch the Clown after punching the guy who was going to play Punch the Clown. Oh! Uh, yeah. T- and tying up the innkeeper and, and stealing his costume and then marches along doing his best to try and pretend to be participating as the clown figure in this big ritual. And uh, finally, he sees Rowan, who apparently they are going to sacrifice. She's tied up. She's like, oh, help. And he runs. I'll get you out. He's like, thanks, thanks. And they run through a cave and they come out the other side. And uh, that's when the the other shoe drops. And it turns out that Rowan was doing a great job at her high school uh, acting career because she's like, hey, Christopher Lee, did I do it right? He said, you did it splendidly. And She did it terribly. Yeah, I just have to yeah. say. Well, she, that you that know, was kids, not a good job. Child actors, what he do. <laughs> anyway, Sergeant, Sergeant Howie realizes at this point that he's screwed. They grab him, tie him up. Haul him off as the final capstone of their big uh ritual, uh toss him into a wicker man a bunch along with a goat and some chickens and and stuff. And they set it on fire and he dies while screaming about Jesus and uh then there's a pretty sunset. And that's the that's the whole plot of the film. So if you haven't seen it, now you know all the broad strokes. But this is not a movie you watch to find out what the plot is, this is a movie you watch because everything about this movie is just kind of amazing. Um
2: I mean, the first two acts are basically a prolonged prank.
1: Yeah, and it's really, it's not even, to like, even the third act, they're still sort of running with it. And he's, you know, Sergeant Howie's upping his attempt to figure out what's going on through the infiltration as the dancing clown. But literally, it doesn't, like, the twist doesn't really come, like, the proper twist until the last, like, 10, 15 minutes. And then it's just sort of a long sequence of lecturing and screaming and burning. <laughs>
2: Apparently, a a uh, prolonged speech about apples by Christopher Lee was cut out of this movie.
1: Yes. Yeah. Angela was looking at some... Del- I, I sort of fell asleep last night after the movie, and she looked up a bunch of stuff and told me to my sleeping figure. Uh, and so she she caught me back up on what she caught me up on last night this morning. Uh, and yeah, the, the big long speech from Chris. Uh, Christopher Lee about apples. Uh, there's an opening scene to there's, there's a couple cuts of this movie out there. There's a, they made a director's cut in like 2002. I want to say um, that's yeah, literally no more. idea which
2: cut I watched. I,
1: I might've seen, I might've seen the longer one originally cause I was looking up the deleted scenes and it looked a little familiar to me. Uh, the opening scene, if you watch the longer cut opens with him going and talking with another uh, policeman back in Scotland proper and uh, they come across some graffiti that says Jesus saves and, and the – whatever, the lieutenant or deputy or whatever is like, ah, oh, now there's a good message for you. And he's all, yes, but there's time and place for everything. Remove that you know, graffiti that says what I believe in my heart. Uh, so if you saw that, you probably saw the longer version. If you didn't see that, you probably saw the shorter version, which is what I watched last night.
2: Uh, yeah. I, as far as I can tell, I watched the 94-minute cut rather than the eight 88-minute minute cut or the 99-minute cut. <laughs> All right. So I watched the middle cut. I, th-
1: I think I watched the short one. I think I watched the 88. It was 88 or 89, something like that on Amazon. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's some, some extra stuff in there. There's also stuff that has been lost forever, apparently. Um, and I think maybe not even that long after the film got made. Like, they were clearing out oh, a warehouse they- of backup reels, and someone didn't know that they were also clearing out non-backup reels. And so they and sort of chucked me. up, under, yeah. So that that stuff's probably been gone forever for like forty years now. Um, so yeah, it's kind of sad because there was some more. stuff I can't as well. imagine this movie being
2: longer. It was. It was like on the cusp of getting like too long.
1: Yeah, I feel like I feel like the version I watched felt paced pretty well. Like I I would be curious to see the other footage and see if they wanted to cut it slightly differently because I I feel like there's so much atmosphere in the film that you could probably reasonably swap out. A few minutes here or there for something else, if it was more effective, and not really change the the feel of the film. Like it's not something where there's like every scene is key. It's much more of a, 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 a sort of a, a big tableau, a big just collection of yeah. of experiences that lead up to the big turn.
2: Yeah, I mean, you could you could pretty easily replace like a shot or two of people in animal masks doing something weird. Yep. Because um, there's a lot of that there's a lot of masked and costumed people just being weird yep. which is great I mean I
1: you know I, I enjoyed that yeah so okay I, I, I want to talk about the the I guess moral uh, implications and conclusions and whatnot and just sort of the tone of the film because because part of this is I'm watching this as I am right now with a lot of distance and in a somewhat more progressive overall political and sociological atmosphere than, right. than you know 40 years ago probably would have been in some ways. Um, from a little bit of reading, it sounds like Scotland was uh, uh, a pretty, uh, you know, at least relatively more uh, religiously uh, strict uh, atmosphere at the time the film was made to. So I may have been a little bit more aggressively tweaking some no- noses. Uh, than it would be now, but, but but basically, this is a movie about uh, a, a, an upstanding, moral Christian man who goes to an island full of pagans and gets murdered. And the murder part is definitely wrong, but other than that, I'm pretty much with I'm I'm with the Summer Islanders. Here. Yeah, like, they, you know? I mean, they they
2: have a, a a functioning society that you know there doesn't seem to be just the the. I mean, and this is like the only time that they've, uh, they've, they've sacrificed a person in apparently a very long time, right?
1: Yeah, that, oh, that's, that's one of the things I wanted to sort of pick your brain on because that's my impression, too, is that this is not something they do every year. This is a drastic measure that they're taking yeah. because of the bad crop. Um, I mean,
2: I, I feel like the, the you know, Lord Summer Isle and the rest of the people were blase enough about it that maybe it's happened once or twice with, you know, like a child. Uh, in their lifetimes, but I think this is like one of the first times for them in recent memory that they have lured a policeman with their like apparently, or lured just any person like from the mainland with what, I mean they, they allude to having some sort of intelligence network, which was you know, they're they just like, you know all of our painstaking research found you, and you know, they found a uh, a, a virgin cop, yes um, which I think is one of the other was that supposed to be a twist? That turns out that he's a virgin.
1: I maybe maybe a little bit. It's hard to say because because was was
2: it? Yeah, that's that's one of those things. Like in Scotland or in England in, in 1973, how weird would it be for like a 40ish year old man to still be a virgin because of his like intense religious belief?
1: Yeah, uh, engaged. I, I believe they said yeah. too. You know, married to be yeah. engaged, but you know, still still saving it for the big night. Yeah. Um, yeah. And no, he I, wasn't
0: young, he's not a young
1: man. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. I, I would. I would say like you know forty is a pretty reasonable you know yeah. ballpark to peg that character as. Yeah, that's um, the thing. I can't nail down how weird that's supposed to
2: make him, because I mean the, the or just how weird his like intense religious conviction is supposed to make him, because I think he's supposed to be like pretty fucking weird, like just as a character.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, I think he is supposed to specifically come off as like you know I very, very uptight, very priggish, like, you know, without needing to say that, like, you know, there's anything wrong with whatever his moral convictions are. The way he right. expresses himself and the way he interfaces the world is definitely, st- like, very intentionally super uptight, super, like, like unusually uh, stick up his ass about, like, everything that he he deals with. Right. You know, even, even if a, a reasonable random person off the street tossed onto an island where people are totally bacchanali all in and running around naked and and fucking in graveyards, you know, the average person might still say, wow, everybody's naked and fucking in graveyards. What is going on with this? You know, it would be odd, but it would not necessarily produce the exact same sour expression of my God, what heathen. Yeah.
2: yeah, When he shows up at the school, it is definitely like moral outrage about them teaching, uh, young women about penises or what the penis represents culturally, which is just, yeah, it was, I mean, it was basically, it's just a, a, a anthropology class, uh, where they were talking, where they just happened to have been talking about penises when he walked in.
1: Yeah. Well, I also so so one of the things is like this is part of why I'm like, don't kill people, but otherwise go islanders. Like I, I really liked the like I can get behind the like just really sort of casually sex positive vibe yeah. of the island. You know, it's you know, it's it's set off as pagan, but it's also kind of like, well, but what if people just like didn't really give so much of a shit about some of yeah. the you know puritanical shit that is so inculcated in so much western culture then it would just be sort of like oh yeah it's it's not really that weird to be able to admit that penises exist you know yeah i mean
2: at some point during like the the history of this island people have just you know just like all right sex so we all
1: have it
2: it's not that big of a deal
1: let's Um, let's let's come up with musical numbers about yeah you know yeah so it's it's but but part of what I don't I don't know how to read the film as it was released because I have this vague impression and this is you know an impression mostly of like American uh history of the last you know 50 years is that probably like you know late 60s 70s was more like the sexual revolution territory where that probably was sort of like a local peak of general sex acceptance and sex positiveness and then there was sort of like a retraction as we got into weird shit with the 80s and the HIV crisis Um, and then there's been sort of like a slow re-expansion to some extent of uh, sex positivity in general so like when the film came out it'd be easy to sort of like just draw a, a downward sloping line back to 1973 and say wow everybody's probably super uptight about this in general whereas in fact it may have been like not so much at the time, and then more so, and then less so. Where we're in, so I, I just don't know even how to track I, I mean, the yeah, specific it, social yeah, it, landscape on that.
2: I, I think the the amount of they they don't like the movie itself treats like their activities as weird, but not in any way. Um, what do you call it? Not in, I mean the town is like nothing but idyllic, save for like the missing girl and you know the the you know like uh, the Preoccupation with sex of a lot of people there, um, and even that I think is just treated as good old wholesome fun, like the 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 body song at the bar, and um, you know the, the the people fucking in the fields. It was just it was it was there didn't seem to be like a moral component to like how it was presented in the movie as yeah. opposed to how it was like I, I absorbed like it, by Howie.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel like it was presented as being offputting to. The sergeant, rather than being yeah. presented as obviously offputting, and the sergeant is just our proxy as a viewer, which and that's part of what I think is interesting about it, because mm-hmm. it would have been really easy for this to shift the tone a little bit and be sort of like a reefer madness, sort of like right. look at these people doing these obviously terrible, immoral no. things, you know. Uh, but that's not what it does. It very much leaves it to be like, yeah, we see Sergeant Howie having bad reactions to this, yeah. but the film does not really treat. Uh, most of it as in any way sinister it 's just like, oh well, this is clearly a conspicuous difference culturally from what he's experiencing and yeah
2: and I mean, like at some point when uh there it's the uh the naked fire uh fertility dance thing, I mean they start like shooting it in soft focus, <laughs> which I thought was like they i i I could not tell the difference between the the blonde women in this movie um to any decent extent like the the um you know the, the the police officer like is a you know everybody in this movie is 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 just you know they're supposed to look like um, British Isles people even though uh, uh, they're not like that I, I read somewhere like a breakdown of the ethnicities and there's like an Australian person in this and and a Swede uh, what's her name um, is Swedish uh, Brit yes yeah, yeah that's Brit right. Eklund. Yeah, but yeah, so I don't remember who was leading like the naked fertility dance like inside of the replica Stonehenge or maybe it was just a different henge yeah. um, with, you know, the bonfire that they all leap yeah. over. But they definitely like zoom over to her in like a gauzy, soft focus as she sings the... the or as they all sing the song, fire song, yeah. and, and gaily jump over it.
1: Yeah, no, th- yeah, there, there was definitely... There were two or three... Uh, blonde women in various uh, administrative roles on the island yeah. that, that that did uh, smear together a little bit in some of the shots where they weren't doing it. I, I think hairstyles changing too didn't help, and also some yeah. slight oddness with accents mm-hmm. at times. Um, I had actually I that, that's one thing I'd forgotten about the film. I I, I remembered that it was like you know, uh, UK, but I was being I was thinking it was just like uh like England mainland england and and some little island off that and so i had forgotten that it was like specifically scottish uh instead uh so it's like oh right all these slightly different accents um yeah okay so so yeah when when he just comes in when he
2: lands his seaplane he just like starts yelling at the people on the shore i it took me about four or five tries to figure out that he's saying i need a dinghy (laughs)
1: dingy is dingy is the funniest possible word to yeah. start off that uh source of confusion with uh for sure yeah no i yeah I, so i i felt like there was like one of the women i, I want to say sounded like she had like sort of a french accent uh and maybe it's actually just like the nature of uh odd accents that uh you know there's some variations on specific i think it was uh Oh, whoever, like the school teacher? Maybe or was the school uh,
2: teacher also Summer Isle's wife or, or or primary lover or whatever? Maybe
1: I am not. I am not sure how uh, persnickety they were about the details on that stuff. Uh, didn't but I mean? F- was it
2: the character that that shows up at his house when he's dressed as uh, Doctor Who? I Pooh. think so.
1: I think so. Yes. Um, okay, Diane Salento, I think is what I am. Oh, she's Australian, so I don't know. I don't know what that was. It may be some little detail of uh, Scottish island accents that I am just. Not caught up on, but it, it, it threw me for a little bit of a loop at one point. Anyway, uh, I, I wanted to talk about this, how often they sacrifice things, because I think that's a really... The fact that they were so blase, the fact that they were so on board with this just a, a degree of rehearsal and ritual comfort with the whole thing that I think it would be hard to just rehearse that up on short term and say, hey, everybody, I know we've never done this, but let's kill a person. Just yeah. you know, as a town, so I, I feel like it couldn't just started fresh eight months ago when they're like, "Well, that was a shitty crop. Hmm, let's kill a person." You know, it, it, there, there had to be something to this. So,
2: my- yeah, I mean, from what he describes, like that, that the crops aren't. Yeah, that was the that was the. Th- oh, I'm so you know you finish your your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: basically, just- basically my, my I guess my proposal. What do you think of this? Is that I think maybe they burn a wicker man every year. Like every year, right. it goes up. Uh, and that's what they've done. They've done this so many times; it's a practice thing. And they just usually don't have a human from Scotland mainland, you know, inside. Yeah. They they stick with the goats and the and the chickens and whatnot. Maybe they make him a little smaller usually, but this time they really the acted themselves. The goat that was directly
2: above him inside of the wicker man peed on him because he was scared.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like in in shooting, to be clear, yeah. not, not not this yes. is not a deleted shot. If you watch them in person, when they were actually <laughs> shooting is, the film, this is they not apparently part of the film's canon. Yeah, they they apparently actually uh, put animals and that dude inside something and then lit fires nearby, and the goat was not happy with that and yeah, pissed all over. Poor old Sergeant Howie. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I mean that—that's kind of my take. It's like maybe this is a yearly ritual. It's just usually it doesn't involve the literal murder of a human being, right? Uh, but, but sometimes does. But yeah, now and then when they need to, I guess. Yeah,
2: no, I, I would definitely be be open to that. I mean, there's, I mean, is it the. Either maybe Sweden, Norway, one of the, the Scandinavian slash Nordic countries, uh, they, they have that giant goat, and then people set it on fire clandestinely every year, and they still build the goat even though, you know, like vandals set it on fire. So it's it's almost like an accepted tradition even though they try for it not to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I can only assume that that descends from actually setting the thing on fire. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you don't build a giant statue out of a very flammable material if you're not planning to burn it down. I guess
1: it, it seems like a it seems like a good policy. Yeah, there. Um, what I the, the the question
2: that I have about this is within the universe of the film, do their sacrifices work?
1: That's I think that's a really interesting one because there's like two very different reads on this film depending on whether you want to buy that or not. Um,
2: because, like, all the way at the end, he, you know, the, the, when, uh, when, when I keep wanting to call him Doctor Who, Lord Isle which is, yeah, just that much less ridiculous of a name, um, when he, like, explains the origin of the island, like, his grandfather had been a scientist that came, and it's got a very, like, sci-fi, sort of, 70s sci-fi origin story, which I enjoyed, um, his grandfather was, like, a scientist in the 18, like, the mid-19th century, and then he came to that island, which was completely barren, and started planting plants on it. And then also, you know, I, I, I don't know if it explained it to him being like opportunistically setting up like a pagan religion sort of thing,
1: or yeah, the, the, yeah. I, I think Christopher Guest's uh, like uh, <laughs> very different. God, I wish, I wish <laughs> that's the remake we needed star Oh, yes, oh. it'd be that's, like a, they mighty the, the mighty the mighty wicker, a mighty wicker. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. So sure, Chris Lee, yeah, his exposition where he's talking about the backstory. Yeah. I, I think he basically says, and you know, planted these new things and also, you know, set up this sort of tradition of this fertility, uh, thing, you know, to get sort of people on board with the idea of, you know, bringing people and, 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 and really a rebirth of the vibrancy of this Island and having a culture here. And that what began as an expediency, you know, has become sort of the the tradition and the belief. It's like of my the grandfather
2: place. did it for the crops, my father did it out of love, and yeah. it became, you know, it's it, it, it's implied that everybody is a true believer. Well, yeah,
1: it's king. it's really interesting because because Lee's character at the same time comes off as so sort of like lucid and self aware about the relatively short history of. Uh, this practice on the island but at the same time it's a practice that is a return to the worship of the old gods. so in that sense saying oh yes we really did only just in the last 40 50 years start taking this seriously is not him saying because it's made up bullshit it's him saying that's just that's the history of the local you know practice here but that the old gods are indeed old and that you know they are alive and the Christian god is dead and you know it, it, so yeah it, it, it's a it, he 's a really interesting character, partly in my eyes because he does not come off as a fanatic except for the part where he burns a guy alive you know oh. that again it's always it 's that little detail that 's the one thing <laughs> that 's a problem uh, where that 's kind of a deal breaker because uh, I was with you up until then but like the, the the fact that he is so lucid, the fact that he does come across and you can you could definitely say okay, but one of the hallmarks of a really good insane cult leader is that they are charismatic and that they do come across as trustworthy and whatnot but i feel like it it feels like
2: with with the cult leader it's often Im- implied that they are they didn't buy it wholesale
1: yeah like they they they, they are playing a long game Uh, Or are just, like, super insane. Like, that's the other way to go with it, is that, like, they're just really super fucking delusional and other people...
2: Yeah, and this guy doesn't seem like either of those. Yeah. He he definitely believes in what he's he's preaching, and at the same time, he doesn't seem to be, like, a completely psychotic maniac. He's 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 got goals, and he accomplishes them in a way that may or may not have worked before is the thing.
1: Yeah. The fact that he does not get exercised about the whole thing, I think, is part of what yeah. makes him read different. Like, like I feel like if this were being, if the, if this same story were being told with an attempt to make the the actual lead to make the Howie character uh, more sympathetic and more of an actual you know perspective character for the audience, there would be that moment yeah. where the pushback against it rattles Lord Summerisle or rattles the people of the village. Yeah. So there'd be that 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 situation where finally the apparently cool apparently even keeled unflappable villain suddenly reveals that they can be gotten to that they can be offended and and start to lose their patience and lose their cool and it never happens in the film not once christopher nope. lee is just like he is down like a clown the whole fucking thing nothing makes him blink he you know he frowns possibly once or twice in the film during a a a, a you know, exchange of thoughts with Sergeant Howie. And that's like as down as he gets. So that's, that's part of what it is. It's like, you know, it's, it's harder to read him as that typical horror villain rather than just someone who in fact, with relatively clear eyes chooses to do a bad thing, uh, which is still a bad thing, but it doesn't, yeah, it's, it's not the, it's not the movie monster from whom you try and escape. It's, it's something very different, something, uh, much less classic sort of horror villain. Yeah, I mean
2: he's he is doing his job and he is doing it well and he is you know he is in charge of this island and like of the providence of the island and and he's he's doing what he needs to do.
1: Yeah, and his constituency seems to be very supportive. You know, yeah. he's 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 a a popular lord. <laughs> You know, people seem to be pretty much on board with this whole... Yeah, he's respected,
2: uh, but yeah, it doesn't seem like... It seems like they respect him out of, like, respect and out of that weird fucking thing where people in monarchies respect the the gentry that I will just swear (laughs) to God never understand. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, he... uh, What if that was just, like, one of the evil Time Lords?
1: Yeah? You think he's just, like, you know...
2: I, I don't know enough about Doctor Who to make the case, but why, why the hell not?
1: So here, here and forth, you know, henceforth, he'll be referred to as Time Lord Summerisle. Um, I don't know. I I, I kind of like the idea. Like, what if he? What if he has figured out that this is how you? You know, and not even not even like evil, evil Time Lord. Just like Time Lord who's made the uh, the hard decision in the direction that uh, the Doctor would never find acceptable. Like he's. Christopher Lee's Time Lord character has established that, yes, this is a way to stabilize the universe destroying rift. We just need to keep this one weird little island on this one odd planet. We need to stabilize it. We need to stabilize this terrible rift, and we'll do so by keeping the old gods satisfied. And if that means, you know, occasionally, you know, murdering a, a policeman, so be it, you know. That's worry, just the kind of hard decision you have to make. And the doctor would be like, Yeah, but we don't. And then someone would be like, Yeah, but all those times you killed, dude. And he's like, Yeah, but bow ties are cool. Um, so, you know, it's like that sort of thing. Like, I could really get behind the idea of Christopher Lee, yeah, you know, like Time Lord Summer Isle being a good antagonist, not because he's so evil, but because he's so narrowly different from, you know, the notional protagonist of, of, of yeah. Doctor sure. Who. Is my I thought. Th-
2: I, I think I think we should do this. I think we, we should write a pitch letter to the
1: BBC. I, I think it could work. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. The Doctor Man. The mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, uh, I uh, okay. Here's here's a thing to talk about briefly because I thought this was I had forgotten about this having seen it before too. Uh, the opening placard. The opening placard that uh, I don't have the exact words here, but, you know, basically the producer of the film would like to thank Lord Summerisle for his and the people of his island for allowing us to explore their culture and uh, their cooperation in the making of the film, Um, which if this had been if this film had been remotely found footage style, that would have been like an amazing precedent. That would have been like, holy shit, we found the fucking DNA You know, the Blair Witch Project and everything else right here. But instead, it's like, it's such a glancing thing. Like, it may have worked at the time. Uh, If you hadn't seen the movie, it might have made you think that, oh, wait, especially with the way nothing really bad happens for so much of the film. Yeah, I could see at least buying it as sort of like if you weren't already going in skeptically saying, oh, okay, well, maybe this is sort of a, like a weird dramatization of an actual anthropological visit, and we're going to learn about uh, pagan rituals and uh, a thing with a wicker man. You know, if you really had no idea that the movie was going to end badly, you know, maybe that would have, like, been a good fake out. Like, maybe you would like, oh, yeah, right. Oh, the Summer Isle. I never knew about the Summer Isle. Wow, they do some weird stuff there. Um,
2: um, I mean, they're... they're, they're There are parts of this movie that just veers into, like, a documentary of these fascinating people, Um, you know, towards the end when I think, like, a bunch of the villagers take off their helmets and, like, smile at at or near the camera (laughs) – it's just like in a weird, like little montage shot, and it was just, and yeah, you, I could definitely see that.
1: It would be interesting like, to try and recut this down to a shorter film that did just pre- like, like basically cut Sergeant Summer Howie out of everything. Uh, everyf- company
2: presents, yeah.
1: I, I man, that I think you could pull that off. You could do like a, a twenty minutes uh, sort of fake documentary just by cutting Sergeant Howie out of the film entirely, <laughs> um, and then just like, yeah, oh man, yeah. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> I'm going to think about that. I've been doing a little bit of video editing random stuff just for the hell of it the last couple days. And, uh, so I'm sort of thinking about that sort of thing more. Uh, I did a, 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 a cut of an episode of house where I removed all the dialogue, uh, which is weird. It turns out, but actually kind of watchable. Like there's a lot of visual direction in that show. And so there's a lot of meaningful looks, uh, and reaction shots and barely d- deliberately shot longer, uh, sequences that are relatively, uh, wordless. Um, so I got like a 14 minute episode out of a 43 minute episode. Uh, and it was uh, still
2: 14 minutes of silence in an episode of house. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I know maybe more than average. I mean, this was, a this was, a the episode from season one where he tries to go off, uh, painkillers. Um, so there's a couple good, like, you know, 30 second, 40 second minute long sequences, uh, that just don't have any words because, you know, they're deliberately sort of like a, uh, musical over dub or, um, house being sort of isolated and having the shakes or whatnot. And so, you know, house is not a guy who does a lot of talking to himself on camera for the sake of exposition. So, you know, you just get these natural sort of like long shots of him, you know, really quietly struggling with shit. Um, so that, maybe maybe a typical house episode would not have quite that much. But, uh, but I, I feel like it's maybe not super crazy because like watching it, we've been watching a bunch of the show lately is how I even got thinking about it. Uh, they do have a lot of like reaction shots and a lot of stopping shortened conversations and people being surprised. And plus going to and coming back, like going, coming back from a commercial, they often like do a slow pan in on uh, a patient and a loved one or something. And that's an easy like, you know, 20 seconds right there of like a slow camera move and a fade in. But yeah, no, it's interesting. It's it it was it was a because it's such a pattery show. It's a show that I think of as being, you know, like it's not quite you know Sorkin, but it's still it's 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 all it's all about the random talking, uh, and also not being lupus. (laughs) It's never lupus. Yes. Um. So that's House. So that's House. (laughs) That 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 wraps up our episode on House. Actually, that's only one of the two things. (laughs) Because I'm doing another thing, I'm still working on it. Where I'm trying to take. Uh, do you watch House at all? Like I don't I've know seen if a few episodes,
0: okay. but
2: uh, I'm not fond of medical dramas, so yeah, I, I've not what seen what a lot of it.
1: I, I'm I'm not a big fan of them either. But uh, I mean, I don't have any problem with like the the medical stuff. Um, but I'm not like, oh boy, medical drama. But I I like Hugh Laurie a lot. The rest of the cast is good. The writing's fairly fun. It's kind of the thing we watch when we're like. I feel like watching some TV, but I also don't feel like being traumatized. So like, you know, <laughs> you know, walking dead. We'll watch when we're in the mood for that, you know, better call Saul. I'm really loving, but like every episode is kind of intense in its own way uh house, you know i'm not I don't have to worry too much. Hugh Laurie's still going to be playing an asshole doctor. The other doctors are still going to put up with his shit. Someone right. will almost certainly not die at the end of the episode. okay, it's fine, so it's 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 a little bit comfort food, but it's
2: it's I mean it's a procedural it, yeah. it, it, and it has the the benefits of a procedural
1: yeah, and it's a very formula procedural uh, which is like both to its credit and its detriment like they they use I feel like the cast and the directors and writers use the formula pretty well on House. Because uh, I tend to get pretty sick of, of formula, but House for whatever reason I'm like, yeah, no, I know exactly how this is going to go, but I'm going to enjoy the ride. Uh, but one of the formula aspects of it is like every episode, the opening of the episode is someone having uh, a sudden acute medical situation, and so you know the the intro first, you know, uh, two to six minutes depending on the show is a vignette of someone going about whatever their daily life is, and then terrible medical situation happens, and I thought, what if you just took all of those little tiny moments where it becomes a bad day and just strung those together <laughs> uh, and it turns out it's it 's just like yeah there's like there's like between five and fifteen seconds that is the whole oh shit stuff has gone wrong in every episode, like you know. Uh, and 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 there's a lot of people falling down. Uh, there's people having you know clutching their chests, but there's also people getting woozy. People suddenly hitting someone. People developing aphasia. Um, there's a kid who drives a four by, or a, a four wheeler off a ramp and into a stack of concrete tubes, and it explodes into a ball of fire, <laughs> uh, which is pretty amazing. Uh, so yeah, there's the, 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 there's this there's this weird sort of odd fun to looking at all these moments taken out of context and just like collapse, 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 heart attack, collapse, explosion. You know, it's, and you get into the fake outs because it, it it's so formula that they know it's formula that you basically, you start watching like, Oh, okay, if something's going to happen to this guy. So everyone's when like, ah, except for wasn't that guy. He forgot his inhaler, but he's fine. That other guy had a heart attack. Fuck you. You know, uh, Anyway, it's yes. I, I don't. I, I don't even have anything substantial to say about this other than the visual direction and writing of House is reasonably good, even when you take a microscope to it, and that's the nice thing about it. Even though it's a totally formulaic procedural, that uh, I was relieved while looking into this to discover had in fact ended at some point. Because like, oh my god, if I'm going to do some supercut for a show that's still going like eleven years later, I'll never actually be done with it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, it, it, it had like a good amount of seasons.
1: Yeah, they did eight, I think. Wow. So, anyway. Uh,
2: <laughs> what were we doing? <laughs>
1: we were talking about Doctor Who, I think. I think body Snatchers, a, Invasion yes. of the
2: Body Snatchers, yes, right? Yeah, right. Um, wicker Man.
1: Wicker Man. <laughs> Will you send me a dinghy, please? <laughs> please just, just send me a dinghy. Uh, so, I'm going <laughs> let, let, let me get <laughs> my megaphone. Dinghy. <laughs> 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 I insist. You send... Um, yeah. Let's do bad Scottish accents for a while. I think people will <laughs> love that. Uh, well, speaking of bad Scottish accents, though, the the fucking the innkeeper in this movie, the innkeeper bartender,
2: he's uh, supposed to be. I I don't know. I, I just got he he I got just the uh, what do you call it the the um, like the, the the flam like uh, the flamboyantly well, gay. Yes. Like,
1: vibe from him? Yeah, yeah that, that, That's a question on my end too. Like, I don't know if there was some other context or if it was just straight up going for like, oh, well, this guy's a little, you know, wh- whether he was intentionally, whether he was literally intended to be read as gay or just be read as sort of like uh, oddly flamboyant. It definitely had that uh, sort of feel watching it now that like they were conspicuously going for something with that character. And that seems like the most obvious thing
2: was, was it, uh, which of the James Bond movies was it that had like the, the two, the two gay villains. Oh, Jesus. Which one was that? and Mr. The, The other guy. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very similar sort of feel to them, except, you know, much more folksy because everybody was incredibly folksy in this.
1: Uh, was it Mr. White? No, uh, Mr. Kid.
2: Is yeah, that right? Mr. Mr. Something Kid
1: Mr. And, Kidd. yeah. Oh God, yeah. Oh, that guy. I haven't thought about that guy in forever. Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid. Yeah. Well, I was thinking Austin Powers is what I was thinking. I was, I was looking at this.
0: Oh it, yeah, like yeah.
1: If, if they if they did a shot for if Gus Van Sant was like it's time for a shot for shot remake again, this time <laughs> Wicker Man. Like I feel like he could have cast Austin Powers and the whole thing would have sat really uncomfortably like on the on the market as some sort of like. You know Austin Powers as the bartender, the innkeeper. Yeah. Um it's just it's just weird, like the fact that you know my take on that specific era of fashion and whatnot is you know influenced as much by goofy, dumb latter-day riffs like Austin Powers as it is by actually having you know been exposed because I was like I was negative six, I think, at the time. You know, I, I really did not have a chance to develop an opinion of you know, the seventies as a non-existent person. Um,
2: yeah. I mean, when I was coming up, I, and I'm, I'm somewhat younger than you. When I was coming up, like the seventies were used as shorthand for like being not cool.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and, and it just being like very, just very passe.
1: So, well, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like early seventies, like, you know, tail end of, of, of sort of hippie, fashion stuff and then late 70s disco are like the two segments of the 70s that seem to come out in pop yeah. culture and they came out in sort of like their own specific ways where like you know I feel like there was this wave of fashionability of sort of doing bell bottoms and and, and flowers and uh, Farrah Fawcett hair or something you know for a while but it wasn't in a hey let's take a close read of you know the sociological concept of the 70s it was like oh hey check out these bell bottoms you know and and then disco, you know, just is a thing that for a while everybody made a point of talking about hating. And then also people are like, oh, yeah, but that new Daft Punk album is pretty good. <laughs> uh, you know, and neither of these are good studies of that. So I, I remain like uneducated by the passive pop culture riffs on those that I've experienced. Uh, whereas I feel like I have at least a better sense of some of the, uh, I don't know, slightly like, like, like I have superficial pop culture 201 for uh the 80s thanks in part to just like the movies i tend to go back and watch i don't know um I, I, this, this this aimless exegesis on uh my uh ignorance uh does not actually have a, a a capstone on it i'm just i'm just talking about at length about how i don't know about stuff uh because that seems like super interesting uh let's talk about the nudity in the film for a minute because we've talked about that before already, but this is another weird thing about trying to size up this film. It's really, it's just a couple, you know, nudges away from being really blatantly exploitative in that fashion. But all in all, I didn't feel like it came off that way, but a couple of the scenes like the, the weird sort of dance number uh, knocking on the walls thing with Britt Eklund and apparently her butt double because she did not want to be uh, full butt on on camera, so that that facing away from the camera up against the wall stuff was a a, a butt double um, that whole sequence that 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 felt like this is this is this is the yeah, but now we'll get the kids in to watch sort of scene that goes beyond just sort of like vaguely natural g- geographic into let's straight up have a naked dance number.
2: Do you think they would use an actual like butt double or do you think they would be like all right this is going to be like a shot completely concentrated on her butt we should get somebody with like a you know if she did not have a nice butt which I couldn't
1: tell do you think they would have gotten somebody with a nicer butt for that just those shots well I I mean I I think that in theory is what happened like like, I mean it was a full body shot uh, for like facing the wall and it wasn't her that was the butt double right Uh, so I guess. Are you asking if they did a if they did a close crop shot of just like a full frame butt? Would they have tried harder on the butt <laughs> front? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm I, not sure. I I was willing to believe that was her butt until I found out about the butt double because like there was nothing obvious about like a mismatch. I guess. Uh, I think the actress specifically was like, "Oh yeah, but you know." I you don't know, have it wasn't. That it didn't I want seemed to like a camera. mismatch.
2: Like I, I, didn't know that was that. That's what happened until I, I read the uh, the, the the what do you call it, IMDb yeah. page on this.
1: Um, I guess maybe I don't understand your question. Please, please explain <laughs> about the butt more.
2: Oh <laughs> no, no. The the question is if you know there. There, we don't have a point of reference for the. This is the worst digression we have ever gotten into on this show. I dude. don't know. That's
1: that's that's reason. That that's a tall tall bar yeah. to vault.
2: <laughs> it's the one I'm most embarrassed about. starting oh, Okay. Up with well, that. fair enough. Um, yeah. No. I'm just saying we don't have a reference point for her butt. So when they got the body double to specifically shoot her butt, do you think they would have gotten the one with the most objectively? pleasing butt rather than the one that matches the actress the most.
1: Well, yes. No, I, I think I think what they said is like if we were going to close our eyes and open them and the ideal actress that we have hired was standing there with their butt towards the camera, uh, what is the butt we want for that that seems plausible It's probably the direction they went rather than, okay, Brit, what we need to do is take a series of plaster casts and do a series of butt interviews to find someone who... You can accept as a butt double, but it's also reasonably close in butt structure to you because verisimilitude is at the heart of this butt related scene. I, I don't think that so much. I think they just said, oh, well, she sort of has Brit's figure and has a good butt and will let us shoot it on camera. I think that's probably I, I basically all that happened. I am
2: idea of the butt casting call. Yes. No, I was just like, all right, nope, next. Yes.
1: It's a, it's literally a casting call there. It's, they're just taking a series of butt casts and then doing a <laughs>
2: matching them up to her like Cinderella.
1: Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that, that's the thing. And that's another thing. I don't know how to read the, 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 the cultural response at the time would have been, but like, it's a movie, uh, that has a lot of nudity and, it's it, it's sort of like that borderline sort of thing. Like, it, yeah, it would,
2: I I think it, like the the scene where um he's just breaking into random people's houses as he begins to harass the village. You know, <laughs> hardcore. Um, and then there's a lady you know, in the back. One bath. of the things like I I I they would uh, how did this get made? It has an episode on the. Uh, the 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 new one the one with Nicholas Cage and like I think at some point somebody mentions that you know if you if you take this movie for what it is it's basically just about a crazy man who has no authority there harassing this small village yeah and I think this movie definitely verges into that territory as well especially when he just starts breaking into houses um, even though he does have the authority there yeah um, and then he just like stumbles on like the naked woman in the tub and that was I mean that was like Benny Hill level gratuitous yeah um and uh, but then like other times i think you know it was really well used like the the shot of the oh you know what i mean i guess i don't know how much that counts but like the shot of the woman like clearly breastfeeding like in the cemetery that was like a really good scary sort of weird reveal um so i i think they and you know so the 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 scene of like the naked dancer around the fire was like not I didn't I mean I didn't find it at all gratuitous considering what they were trying to represent which Yeah, you know, yeah again, seems- again
1: sort of like the National Geographic yeah. riff. Like, you know, a lot of it seemed shot more in terms of like, hey, this is a norm here that's not a norm for you, but it's not people going around uh, you know, doing anything that's like uh, seeming like literally, you know, shot for, okay, and now enjoy some porn. You know, it, yeah. it's much more just like okay, this is happening. It's just a this is a thing that happens here. Whereas some of the stuff like like Brit Eckland singing uh, on the bed and that whole sequence that felt much more into like well, you you kind of you kind of yeah. running with a thing here in a way that kind of makes me think you might know that you're spending a great deal of time staring at. Uh, and I mean, Thomas there were some the like double.
2: rather. Uh raunchy lyrics to the stuff that she was singing and like all of the folk songs in this movie except for the one about corn that uh was that, was that written by Robert Burns? I think that one was written by Robert Burns the one like the the, the 70s style
1: folk song that repeats throughout the whole movie oh yeah the corn rigs how have we not talked about the fucking corn rigs and barley rigs this is a movie about <laughs> about first and foremost Corn rigs, corn rigs, of and barley rigs. Apparently, apparently, rigs in this context are like trenches. Like it's, uh, you know, rows of corn and rows of barley planted in, you know, rows and trenches and and growing stuff.
2: And uh, they are bonnie, which uh,
1: I believe in England means the hood of a car. Yes, yes. Uh, which is which is why in England they think it's funny when we talk about wearing bonnie packs because they're like that's not what it means. That's not <laughs> that's not what it means. Uh, so I, I think, I think, uh, yeah, the, the music was, was a combination of a couple different things. A guy named Paul Giovanni, um, actually I think wrote most of the songs, um, it may have been playing on some Robert Burns stuff. Uh, but I think he's got, got, you know, a straight up writing credit, uh, on a, most of the, most of the songs that had lyrics, uh, a bunch of the. Uh, musical stuff was done by a band called Magnet that I think was basically invented for the purposes of the film. Do you think the
2: people that they shot as like the 12 person folk band, an
1: actual folk band? I think they did. They, yeah, yeah. So I was actually read a little bit uh, with Gary Carpenter who did the music for this, who, and this is interesting, also did the music for Ravenous. Hmm. And as you may recall, uh, I, was, I was a fan of the music of Ravenous, if it weren't in that film because it just never made any fucking tonal sense but I still thought like some of the actual compositions were sort of nice and and pretty and interesting Uh, so yeah he, he was responsible for most of the non folk music in this uh,
2: well, I, you, I mean, I'm going to need like a map of that because you you could not. I there is no way I'd be able to tell which in songs in this were actual folk songs and which were folk well, songs. I mean, the, for the movie. Well, no no, no,
1: no, no. I mean, no, I mean, I mean the folk songs in the there's there's a man singing lyrics about corn rigs and such oh, or yeah. the barth- versus the more mm-hmm. orchestral stuff because there was some there was some essentially instrumental stuff that came through in, in the, in the oh, okay. and some of that even had sort of like a similar sort of twangy thing. Like there was that that weird, really driving rhythmic. Twang, 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 twang in in Ravenous, and I feel like there's the same sort of like instrumental flourish there as in some of the less driving, but still like some of that same twangy folk instrument sound, which I guess makes sense if it was some of the same people involved. So I was I was sort of delighted to see that that was that was the case. But yeah, no, I think I think it was all like the Paul Giovanni did all the like you know folky songs. In it.
2: Yeah, there was there was like a, a scene where um, I think when they're where, when they're sending the uh, the young or like the teenage boy up to um, you know be deflowered, I guess by uh, what's her name, Brett Eklund? I forget what the hell is her character's name. Uh, the
1: landlord's daughter.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Her. Willow. 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 That's right. Uh, there's, and then, there's also like, an oak
1: in the film. Oh, so you know.
2: Um. But, yeah, like there's that, you know, like band that's sitting there and that they are singing as, you know, the kids getting laid up there. And it was very much like a Lou Reed and John Cale sort of thing that they they looked like Lou Reed and John Cale <laughs> if they were British and in a folk band.
1: Yeah, I think I think they were actually just local folk musicians, um, you know, local as in, you know, somebody involved in the making the film, you know got in touch with them not like literally we found these people on a rock on an island uh, but yeah they, I think they actually hired some folk musicians because it was like cheaper and they'd be able to do a better job <laughs> um, they'll
2: work for weed yeah
1: So and so I think those were actually you know musicians uh, may or may not have been the people literally on the soundtrack for those recordings but you know yeah they got some actual musicians to do the the music with them yep. and, and record it for the film And a couple of
2: really really sloppy ADR shots in this movie <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
1: It, it is not. It is not a technically super strong film in spots. Like there's there's aside from the odd fantastical nature of like the camera work at times and the transitions there. There's definitely little bits of like technical sloppiness. Um, possibly, possibly in part a reflection of the fact that they ended up you know losing all of their <laughs> original material. So it has not <laughs> since been fixed either. But, uh, yes. Go on. Go on. What. Yeah. Well, I, I, were, no. you, were you going to go into detail about those or? Okay.
2: Oh no no no! I was just pointing them out. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to. The uh, there was um, when the one of the first scenes he goes to the uh, post office slash candy store run by Mrs. Morrison to whom he believes. Uh, like yeah, I, th- I believe he thinks that Rowan Morrison is 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 that that they're the same Morrisons there, yes. and they have some weird ass candy in there, um, just like lots of things shaped like things, uh, all of the the March hairs, yeah, and the uh, the the like
1: sacrificial oh. human.
2: Yeah, like, yeah, you know, the then, sacrificial human ones. And, oh, yeah, and then, like, at the baker, there's an enormous one when he is – when it just really goes into, like, Mr. Rogers, like, slash Sesame Street, let's delight kids with stock footage videos of just, like, <laughs> here is the industry of a small Scottish village. Yep. And, Here's again, the baker and the blacksmith.
1: Cut, cut away uh, these shots. You could totally, you know, talk about the local crafts and industries in the documentary. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, I like there's a scene at one point where they they come back to one of the like foot and a half long person laying down sacrificial victim, sort of feeling. uh, It it wouldn't. I I don't even know if it was intended to specifically be a sacrificial victim cake, or if it's just supposed to be like a you know, uh, you know, god avatar or something. It could have just you know more just been a, a, a figure. But anyway, I'm thinking sacrifice because I know they're going to kill this guy at the end of the movie. But anyway, the the I think I think this shopkeeper at the, the post office, uh, Mrs. Morrison, I think she is cutting it up and cutting a slice for her younger daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually pointedly sort of cuts out uh, like a crotch region. And gives yeah, it, yeah. Know. She
2: cuts the crotch region out and then she cuts it in half. Yeah. Um, which I thought. <laughs> I'm glad somebody
1: else noticed that. The question is, do they throw away the rest of the cake, or is it just like you know you start there?
2: I think you start there, like the same way that you know like a yeah, kid eating a uh, a chocolate Easter bunny would always start with the head, yeah you always eat the head first, but then there you know it's a different culture, it's a different it was a different time, yep, we ate crotches first <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh what do you call it the I, it, it's it was super convenient that while doing his incredibly loud research in the library, uh, that he stumbled on the exact ceremony that would that would be happening later that day. Like to like like just perfectly dead on the exact it, it, ceremony. It, it, it was
1: it was a bit convenient. I liked I liked that scene for the stuff happening that didn't matter in the scene. Uh, <laughs> and this is this is this is a weird thing. We're getting voiceover. And we occasionally see his like lips move a little bit, but it's pretty clear in the first half of that scene that he's just sort of like reading in his head, and we're just we're just hearing what he's reading. Uh, and then in the tail end of it, he actually begins. He he, he reads about, but it's the exact same like vocal tone, yeah. basically. <laughs> you know so like they took the audio from an alternate shot of the first half of that scene where he was actually reading out loud and used that along with the audio from the second half where he is reading out loud uh, but in the meantime the only thing that changes besides you know us uh, seeing some cutaways of the book and some revelations of you know details of rituals there is that old lady and we sitting get co- about
2: two feet away yeah, from him well, well, the we, same desk. Well, and we get
1: a shot, and I don't think we I think before we see how close she is, there's just a shot that's like it's it's a one shot that would set her up as being somewhere else in the library, but you know, yeah. within visual and earshot. So my assumption was that she was like, you know, sitting like eight feet away on at another table or something, and we get a shot of her and we come back to him, and then he's reading out loud. And but then she's yeah, she's literally she's like a a foot and a half from the dude, just sitting there, and she's not being menacing. I think she's just sort of sitting there, being an old lady in the library with him. Well, no,
2: she's giving him the side eye the whole time well, he's he, there. Yeah,
1: he's he's been he's been apparently reading out loud while not moving his well, lips no, for it, like two it's, minutes. It's, 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 in, it's
2: before that though. Like you see him like reading in his head, then and it's very clearly he's not reading this aloud. It's yeah. you know, it's clearly voiceover. She's giving him the side eye. Then he starts reading him aloud. She's then he starts reading aloud, and she continues giving him the side eye, which. That makes sense
1: because she's like because right there. So, so what I'm, yeah, what I'm saying is, I think, I think the first part where he was clearly not reading out loud, he was, he was just practicing his ventriloquism because that's <laughs> that's like his main hobby, like that's what he does. We lost it in the shorter cut. Some of the footage. Where he finds a dummy and has a brief respite from his horror at this strange, sexy village, as he sits down and just like has a conversation with like a little wooden Jesus about how great wooden <laughs> Jesus is, you know. And so he was just doing it there. He was just like he was lapping into doing a ventriloquist speech, and so that's why his lips barely moved—not because he wasn't talking, but because he was making an effort. And then he, then he became self-conscious about the lady there because he realized he looked up and he was going to look up to. Uh, to wooden jesus and ask him a question then had to stop himself because that's not wooden jesus that's some creepy old lady sitting right here and and after that he's like oh wait ventriloquism's embarrassing and that's when he started you know letting his lips move that i think is what was going on in that scene <laughs> that's the heart and soul of the film the wicker man he was he starts think about it he starts shouting oh god oh jesus christ when he sees the wicker man it's not because he's afraid it's because like that is the most awesome puppet he has ever seen in his life. He's he's suddenly breaking into a sort of like overwhelmed rapture at what he's seeing here and and thinking about the fact that he's so used to putting his hand inside the puppet, now he'll his whole body will be inside the puppet. You know, and, and it's 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 just too much for him. He just can't he's he's just he's 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 ready to go be with Jesus uh, because he just can't process this this turn of events. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a movie it's a movie about ventriloquism
2: isn't every movie really about ventriloquism
1: it's, it's really it, it's, it's a prequel to the puppet master films is what's going on here
0: hmm I can
2: see that or it could be the pre, prequel to the puppet masters which is about those aliens that stick on you and make you do stuff it could be did you ever see be. that movie because I don't think anybody did <laughs> I,
1: don't, I don't think I did no it could be a, it could be a prequel to the mentalic album master of puppets Oh, yeah, because uh, he finds out that 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 wicker 's not good enough, and so everything has to be a lot more metal after that um.
2: <laughs> this movie
1: could have used I, I, I do you think they could just
2: uh, what do you call it Iron Maiden? You could just make a new soundtrack for this movie? I bet they could this movie would be great with an Iron Maiden soundtrack instead of the folk music. See, and then just replace I, I, the shots of the band with the with Iron Maiden. Actually, I I sort <laughs> of enjoy the music to
1: be. I'm I, I'm curious about it because like like I did I didn't love all of it. O- overall, I kind of got on board with it. I thought the some of the like like the Brit Eklund singing uh, in the bedroom. Uh, was a long sequence with a song I didn't really particularly care for. You know, it, it, it was part of the narrative, so it's it's not an issue of just picking a bad thing from the soundtrack. So it's a much more forgivable right. thing. But I wasn't really into that. The Corn Riggs song I could never hear. I mean, that, that, that was seventies
2: folk. That I mean, there, there's a very this movie mid drew a very clear distinction between like the seventies folk of the voiceover, which, um, and then the like. I guess traditional folk of the people there who are actually there.
1: Well, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's a weird mix. Like, there's this like Celtic inspired, uh, but at the time, contemporary folk. That that yeah, it, it's a weird mix, and it's not it's not something that I'm particularly like like that 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 slow ballady singer uh sort of 70s folk stuff. I'm not really a big fan of. Um, So as far as that goes, like, yeah, the stuff that did feel a little bit more like this could be like James Taylor goes to Scotland. I was like, eh, about uh, where's the more traditional, like, like more traditional feeling and and the body or stuff I was like totally on board with. Because, hey, yeah, let's let's do some fun uh, choreography in the bar. Um, But yeah, yeah, I I think I was going to ask you how you thought about it. But apparently what I was going to ask you (laughs) is how do I feel about it and then tell you.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, just th- th- there, there's a time and a place for folk music, and I think uh, the movie, um, the movie did a good enough job with just its uh, its its mise en scène. Just uh, a yeah, nice three dollar word. Uh, just you know, just the, the general ever the general feel of the movie really really got me into the mood to listen to folk music, and so it worked. Yeah. Um, And and you know, I mean, you know, if if there's a Maypole, yeah, I'm going to expect to hear folk music. Tell you the truth,
1: kind of. Although Maypole and metal would be kind of sweet. I could get into that. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Well, I think uh, this is a a, a short episode for us if we wrap up, but I think that's okay. I I do you have any other major stuff? Because that's kind of
2: basically not really. I mean, yeah, there's not a. it's it's a fun movie to watch. I, I it's a fun movie to watch. There's just not a lot to discuss because it's mostly just how is this next person going to fuck with this policeman, and it, the, the answer is generally in an entertaining and droll manner. Yeah, it's it, it's um, a it,
1: it's a it's a slow, steady tone piece in yeah in large part. Like there's not there's not the big plot twist. It's you know it reminds me in a sense. Uh, I think another one that sort of falls in the same sort of realm to a degree is House of the Devil, where we had the same sort of experience watching it. Although that one, I feel like that one got a little bit more actively sinister, you know, a lot earlier. It just, it it was sinister and nothing was happening. Whereas this was just like, you know, this man is clearly uncomfortable and maybe these people are hiding something, but not in a like slow creeping dread sort of way for the most part. Yeah,
2: no, the, 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 the town was definitely, I don't think there was supposed to be anything creepy in like the dreadful sense about the town like I guess that you could there are definitely certain things about this town that people watching it like would find kind of weird and especially if you're not like totally up on free expression of human sexuality this movie would definitely Come off very different, but I don't think that's the the audience that the movie was aimed for. I mean, I, I think the movie was definitely aimed for people that would have the reaction about like the activities of the townspeople that we did, which is just that it's like, all right, you know, it's kind of weird, but they're not really doing anything wrong up until they murder the
1: guy. Yeah, this is not. I don't yeah. get the feeling this was a film designed to bait moral outrage. You know, I mean, right. obviously everybody who sees a film will agree that you should not burn a dude to yeah. death in a wicker statue. Other than that, people will probably be like, Oh well yeah, that's that's our it's it's like
2: it's it's basically like the lottery where you know the Shirley Jackson story where there's nothing to really not be on board with, even though it's kind of weird, until, you know, somebody gets murdered. Yeah. Um yeah, and I, I just, I, I really like that when he, he points out that first that, like, you know, your fruits aren't growing, when he, they're, they're burning him out in the Wicker Man, and he's just like, your fruits aren't burning, aren't, I'm sorry, your fruits aren't growing because you didn't make the right sacrifice. They're not growing because, you know, you're not supposed to grow stuff here. It's against nature. Yeah. And then he goes with, your nuts not, not growing here because the Lord has cursed you. Yeah. It's just like, well, you gotta pick one of those to stick with. You can't. You can't. You can't do both. Well, I mean, there's
1: there's there, there's 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 certainly a school of thought that you know uh, the natural order is also the religious order, and that by saying that you know if if in the eyes of God, it should not be done. Then it is simply nature that it yeah. not be done. So, yeah, but, but still, I, I agree. I don't feel like he was presenting a very good uh, defense of his thesis. Yeah. Uh, and in that example. I really
2: want to know whether they had like a bountiful
1: harvest the next year. Cause I bet they did. Yeah, but they did too. And, 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 okay. So I guess we, we can, can return s- briefly to this. Yeah. The, um, did, did it work? Does it work? Is this, is this a movie that's taking place in more or less the same universe as cabin in the woods? Is this this a film where the old gods do, in fact, occasionally need the right sort of appeasing, and they're responsive, and they're like, oh, okay, well, I forgive you. Try not to do it again, but for now, I am appeased. I will send my life force into your crops.
2: There's nothing that really definitively says it's not. There's no, like, definitive point in this movie where you can say, oh, these townspeople are just, you know, their beliefs are, are not valid. There, there's – the movie, like – and I actually really like this is that the movie doesn't – it draws a distinction between, like, Christianity and their, you know, their their, their Celtic pagan traditions, but it doesn't – put either one of them on the side of more or less plausible. Right. And right. It, it makes, is, like, a number of arguments for their, be, their thing being more plausible.
1: Yeah, it definitely doesn't, like, take active sides. Or there's there's no big moral condemnation at the end of it where it says, well, and that's why you shouldn't be pagan. Or for right. the better, and that's why Jesus is crap. You know, it doesn't yeah. do either. It just... Yeah, the, the, the film happens. And yeah, I agree. I, I like the fact that it just sort of lets that be, and you can take... Uh, different reads on it if you really want to try and track down a read on it, but there 's no it doesn 't feel like there 's anything in the text of the film that settles it and that seems like an interesting and important thing about uh, yeah
2: i just I, I wish i had like i I would want to watch this movie with a a a person from that general area who has like some context for like rural English/ slash Scottish uh, folk ways and so on yeah. because it's just I mean like I said it might as well be End to me That um, there this is just so out of context for me yeah um, that uh, but I mean on the other hand like the movie does benefit from me not knowing exactly what the hell's going on <laughs> because it's it's <laughs> definitely the kind of movie that promotes that that feel of, of just being alienated from your surroundings even though everybody else seems to know what's going on yep um, also, at the beginning there's who is what somebody at the beginning is like you know praying in what appears to be like an old uh, stone church is that is that Howie?
1: Um I don't remember I don't remember that scene that might again you may have seen the slightly longer uh version than I did um so that I'm not sure if that scene was in what I watched last night
2: huh. Yeah, because it begins with like a prayer, and with I guess Howie um, like seeing himself being given the sacrament by Jesus. Interesting. Except Jesus is like totally out of frame, except for like his hands and legs. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that was just that was odd, and and I I could see why they cut that. Like, um, I it, it was a weird sort of thing to start the movie with. Yeah
1: there's a one of the one of the takes on the opening of the film the the same one I was mentioning earlier with the Jesus graffiti then moves on to him like leading a prayer in church which the version I saw last night uh there's a brief sort of flashback shot of him uh praying in church leading a prayer um, that may have been- okay
2: yeah that's that's that was at the beginning of the cut that I saw
1: okay yeah um, so, so
2: is is that what he's doing? Is he leading a prayer? Because I couldn't figure out if he was like yeah, – was, think was I, he like the town vicar where he's from and, and, and also a
1: copper? Yeah, that, that's something I've never totally understood. Like that's different from my experience of uh, Catholicism growing up in the US. Like I, I there's there's a more sort of secular presence and sort of like – I don't know, almost like community like PTA sort of involvement I guess – uh, historically in in UK religious culture where yeah vicars or whatever people who were you know essentially civil servants were also a little bit involved in the church uh, in a way that would be seem seems sort of weird like like officially involved in a way that seems weird to yeah. me here growing up where like well sure, if you're a priest, you're a priest. Uh, if you're not, well, then a priest, that's, that's then, your job. Yeah, then you, you might be a member of the church clergy and go up and do a reading on a Sunday, you know, as a rotating cast of just people who go to that church who take turns reading, you know, something from from the New Testament. But uh, but you're not like that's not a job. It's either a volunteer thing or you're the guy with a funny collar or you're an altar boy um, or a nun, you know, and it was real clear distinction. Whereas, yeah, he may it may make total sense that he's just like sort of like a minor uh, religious Functionary in in his church, uh, and I mean he definitely has like
2: the conviction for it. So yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, Somebody who knows more about religion can maybe let us know on the Facebook page. Give us a rundown on uh, uh, mid seventies Scottish Christian. uh, I
2: assume any like English Scottish that general area person. Uh, who is listening to this has now at this point so fed up with screaming at their 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 iPod or whatever. At this point,
1: they, they've just, they've, they've shut off the thing yeah. and they've, they've gotten in their plane and they've shouted for a dinghy and uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kinda, yeah, I was kind of, yeah, I was... I, I'm sure we have stumbled through so many uh <laughs> cultural and religious things here. Uh, I think I've managed not to be like actively offensive about too much, you know. So that's that's a mission accomplished uh if if I did in fact accomplish it. But uh other than that, we'll just take what we can get. Um Well I think I think that's it for me. Are yeah. you good? All right. Yeah, well,
0: that's that
2: was that was a good uh I, I feel like anything else I have to say about it is is
1: it's a good uh, film. Yeah. Go see the film if you haven't seen the film. Yeah, yeah, definitely
2: uh, go see it. It's um, it's it, it, it's it's fun to watch and it it goes by pretty quickly and it's only like an hour and a half long. So it's it's,
1: it's a really it's a really interesting really interesting film. You know, uh, and if you like
2: musicals, you'll <laughs> be you'll be surprised and hopefully delighted by yes. the the musical content of the movie. Yep.
1: Uh and you know, as as usual, go say hello on Facebook. We are pretty responsive there when we can be. We've got yep. the Tumblr. Twitter, Tumblr. You can review and rate things on iTunes is always uh you know yep. big thumbs up. And uh and yeah, what you haven't figured out what we're gonna do next time, it probably will not be the two thousand six Wicker Man. Uh, not unless
2: there's <laughs> singing in it.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I and get I the impression. mean like Nicolas
2: Cage singing in it.
1: Yeah. We can probably find a a clip on YouTube if there is any such thing and just watch that and discuss it for an hour and a half. Discuss it for you. (laughs) (laughs) What I really liked was the fourth second. Um, Yeah. Uh, And yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll post what we're doing and we'll let you know uh, on uh, uh, Facebook.
2: Yeah. And this shouldn't – I mean I think we should have an episode next fortnight. Um, Yes.
1: I I don't think either of us have any huge disruptions coming up this time. So. Uh, all right. Well, great. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, as always, a pleasure talking with you, Mister uh, Mister uh, Grinberg. Wint or Kid, Mister Wint. Yes, Mister. Yes. Yeah, thank you, Mister. <laughs> You're
2: welcome, Mister Kid. And then then we go make out. Right. Yes. Uh, that. Wait. Does that happen in? Well, no. They they hold dreams, hands walking yes. down the beach. In
1: oh yeah, yeah, are
2: forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: I don't. Uh, yeah. I don't think they really went that far in the in the movie. They should make. They should make like a. Rosencrantz and turned our dead except for it's about Mr. Winton and Mr. Kidd <laughs> just like just a whole a whole thing about yeah did they die just, in that or did they just leave I,
2: I think they just left but I don't know if they come back in any of the other movies probably not
1: yeah anyway once again we've managed to fail to stop talking even after we try <laughs> you've been listening to <laughs> we have much films to show you and we'll see you we'll see you soon Good night, everybody